Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Hey, Wine and Dime listeners, Amy Irvine here. Today's episode is very heartfelt in many different ways and um, has some very deep conversation around a young woman who has experienced significant abuse in her life. And she shares her story and how it influenced the decision that she made to recover from the event that she experienced in her life. This is a bit deeper than most of the podcasts that I've recorded, but such a story that I felt that you should hear. In today's uh, episode, if you would like to grab a glass of wine and sit back and listen to this in a quiet space, we would recommend Syrah Rosé from Fulkerson's Winery. For those of you that are not familiar with Fulkerson, it is a staple on the Seneca Lake Wine Trail. And the uniqueness of the Syrah Rosé, I think, brings some calmness to this conversation. So sit on back and sip a glass of your favorite wine, if not this one, and reflect on your journey and events in your life. You are listening to Wine and Dime, the podcast that combines two passions, wine and personal finance, with your host, Amy Irvine. Amy is a certified financial planner and owner of Rooted Planning Group and author of Uncork Your Finances. You can learn more about Amy by heading over to the website, www.rootedpg.com. And now onto the show. Take it away, Amy. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest is Brandy Walker. Brandy has her own podcast called Throwing Light. And I think that you're really going to enjoy the journey that Brandy has been on and her amazing story. Brandy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Brandy and I met because we both belong to a Facebook group um, and somebody had made a post in the Facebook group and I sort of hijacked it and said, I would be really interested also in interviewing some people. And, uh, and Brandy stepped up to the plate with um, a little bit of background about herself and we started emailing back and forth. And I just am... You know, often when we do these interviews, um, we always talk about, you know, finance and that life is like a vineyard. But Brandy has a very unique story that I think needs to get out there. So I just want to first say thank you so much for being willing to talk about this topic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So when we talk about who is Brandy, (laughs) who, who are you and... 
And what has your journey been? As people know, I often talk about vineyards and, you know, everybody's life is like a vineyard and there's different rows in the vineyard and there's different influences on our vineyard. Tell us a little bit about Brandy and, and I'd love to know what made you, um, what made you want to start your podcast? Um, yeah, sure. I love the, I love the metaphor of, of life as a vineyard, um, and having, you know, good years, and bad years. I think that's really beautiful and poignant. Um, I, you know, for me, I think there's, I mean, like anyone else, there's a, there's a lot to my story. Um, there's, um, there's a lot of like, I didn't come from a super like, um, self-aware, um, or I guess, um, my parents didn't place emphasis on like the inner work. Um, but as I became an adult, I sort of did a really good job of messing up my life. (laughs) And so we all do that. (laughs) And so it put me in this position where I was like, I think I need something. I need some work. I need to do some things in that. Um, at first that, um, that was a really strong, um, faith, um, that has evolved somewhat, um, into more of a holistic spirituality. Um, but it really, it also instilled a sense of, like as I grew of wanting to share the lessons that, that I had learned, um, not, you know, not that I'm an ex expert in any, you know, in everything, you know, I, but it, that's what led me to get my master's in social work. And, um, and that's what led me to start the podcast really like just sharing, um, you know, these are some things that along my journey have helped me. And, um, and, and I mean, my journey, so I'm, I'm being really broad now, but like, you know, there's trauma, there's, um, addiction stuff and there's, um, there's also, um, in that there's a, there's a lot of beauty. There's a lot of like opportunities, to, um, to grow and to heal and to heal some stuff that like, like generational stuff, uh, stuff that had been passed down, um, through my family. So, yeah, so that's, I, I hope I answered your question. (laughs) I think the fact that you said, you know, you, you admitted something like, you know, in today's world of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, you know, that social media effect, everybody's life looks perfect. Mm -hmm. And when we're willing to admit it's not as shiny as it seems, absolutely. (laughs) um, you know, where you are now is not where you've always been. But the journey that has taken you there and the lessons that you now have to be able to share, that's the amazing thing. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about, you said some family, you know, just um, family and your life. 
tell us a little bit about some of some of the the walks that you've been on. Okay. Um, well, so I, one of the and I'm <laughs> I'm trying to remember what specifically um, I. I had talked about when we, when we first posted, um, back in, in the Facebook group. Um, but, uh, I think one of the, one of the more difficult parts of my story and one of the, um, the parts that have, have, so my, (laughs) sorry. Um, so I, was in a relationship that was really unhealthy for, um, a number of years. Uh, and I would later kind of realize that that was abusive. I was 19, 21 at the time. And I, and I didn't call it that because I didn't know, um, I didn't know that, that, that was, uh, that you could be abused in, in, um, in a relationship. Um, especially, um, like, intimately, sexually. Um, and, and so as I came out of that, I was still kind of in recovery, but I didn't know that I had experienced that. Um, and I was, like I said, I had found, um, for me, Christianity was a huge part of how I processed that and how I began to heal. Um, and about, uh, a little over a year after I got out of that relationship, I discovered that my daughter, um, had, uh, was, was also the victim of abuse, um, from a, um, a, a family member, uh, on, on, on that side of the family. And I was... 24, 23, 24 at the time. And I was just kind of figuring out my own life and trying to like, like, I didn't feel equipped to like deal with this. And, um, I knew I had to, and I knew that like, I was all that (laughs) she had. So, um, so I, so I did, um, I, I, I went about uh, getting her into her into therapy, um, and and I went about um, you know making sure she was safe and making sure that she never came in contact with that family member again. And um, I so I I don't when I tell this story I don't tell her part I tell mine. Um, because I think that it's important that we tell these stories um, or our, our parts of them. Um, and still, I believe it's important to respect the privacy of the um, of everyone involved. Um, but for me, and I have language for it now because I, I'm a therapist, <laughs> but um, for me, uh, I mean, there, it was extreme secondhand trauma. Like I didn't go to therapy during that time. Um, I, I focused on her. I worked my butt off. Like I just, I just like, you know, and I was a housekeeper at the time. So it wasn't like 
fancy work. It was like getting, <laughs> making sure the bills were paid um, and keeping her safe and, you know, um, doing everything I could to, to be there for her. Um, what is beautiful. So I just graduated. I just got my, um, LMSW and my first job just about two weeks ago. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I just started a new job and, um, I'm working with at-risk kids, um, doing play therapy. Uh, and I'm, I'm basically, it's, it's such a, like, so when I was, I mean, when this happened to me, I was on Medicaid and I was frantically searching for somebody who accepted Medicaid. And now the organization that I work for only takes Medicaid (laughs) and we work with kids in very similar situations and, um, that I get to pay it forward. And, and not and we and and in my organization there's a family therapy component so like just naturally we work with with the adults uh, related to the kids and i think it's just such a beautiful full circle powerful moment in my life uh, amidst the very difficult traumatic experience that we went through Sharing that story, I mean, okay, so let's let's back up. Um, you you just got, um, you had posted, I think, in that same Facebook group that you had gotten your um, it's LSW, right? LMSW, yeah, it's different in every LMS. I knew I was missing a letter. Um, that you had received that, and um, you know, having experienced what you've gone through. And now turning around and paying it forward, I read an article, I think it was on Huff, Huffington Post, I believe. And um, it mentioned at that time that you were a grad stu- a student studying social work, which would, you know, would have been a, a little bit ago, but not mm-hmm. that far. What was intriguing to me was that it said her beats, it says, include social justice, grounded spiri- spirituality, and um, radical well-being. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that that's a really interesting <laughs> description of somebody that is looking at social work. That rat- and when I say interesting, I mean that like like that's a bold statement. That radical well being, because I know from personal experience, I say sometimes that I want total well being, mm-hmm. um, but my actions don't necessarily. Um, support that, you know, I, I eat a little too much of this or I do a little too much of that. And, you know, that's not, that's not supporting the words that I'm actually using. So explain to us within your work, explain to us what that means, social justice and grounded spirituality. I have a hard time with that word and uh, radical. Explain that. And, and, uh, um, and, and the article also said she occasionally gets a bit feisty, which I loved about, <laughs> about that article. Um, so yeah, if you could just explain a little bit about that, I'd, I'd love for people to understand what that means. Sure. So I, I mean, people go to therapy when their life isn't working. Right. And, often they're in survival mode and they're just trying to make it through the day. But 
I guess radical well-being is the idea that like you can actually, you can move beyond just getting through the day and you can move into thriving. And, um, and I think that's the, that's the goal. Um, we don't, I think that, I mean, this is, you know, this goes back to, I don't, you know, this goes back to like fine wine. It's like that enjoying the moment, that mindfulness, that being present in, um, in life, in your life. And, um, and I think that what I've learned through my formal education, but also my informal like DIY uh, education that I've put myself through um, spiritually is that there are some really practical ways that you can do that, um, that you can uh, change the tapes that play in your head that say, whatever it is for you, I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not lovable. Um, I don't deserve this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you are, when you do that, um, things shift dramatically and, and there's like such a hope there and there's such an enjoyment there. Um, and it doesn't look like, I don't think that radical well-being means, you know, eating the right thing every time (laughs) or, um, you know, exercising every day or like doing meditation every morning. Um, you know, I think we're all, we're all works in progress and we're all like, like part of enjoying life is enjoying the things that, that taste good (laughs) and that, um, and, and, and rest and fun. And, um, you know, so Mm -hmm. I guess for me, I think, the reason I was drawn to social work was um, kind of the, they take a three pronged approach to, um, to like health and well-being, which is like mental health, physical health, but also social justice and looking at the kind of systemic stuff. Um, and, and I think that we can, so we heal on an individual level and then we, and then we heal on a, collective level and yeah so and when you I'm assuming and and I shouldn't but I'm assuming that when you know it's what you went through in your life that made you decide to pursue social work yeah well yeah so I had originally I had I started going to seminary I thought that I thought that was my path for a while and I wanted to counsel people. I wanted to, um, give back and I felt, and, and so like the spiritual piece was always there. Um, what that looked like has evolved. Um, you know, I dropped out of seminary cause I realized this isn't right. <laughs> this is not, this is not my journey. Um, and I sort of like, I spent a couple years, uh, floundering, trying to figure out like, what, it, what is it? Like, where am I supposed to go? And it was actually my own therapist who recommended that I, that I go get my master's, um, in some kind of counseling, uh, so that, so that I could, so that I could do that work because that kind of, 
even before I had the credentials, it came naturally to me. I'm not super advicey. I don't like to tell people what to do, <laughs> um, but I like to listen and I like to hear, um, like, look for the thing behind the thing. Um, look for what people aren't saying. So, so you're doing social work at this point in time, and you're specifically working with people that are on Medicaid who probably have some emotional stigmatism in and of itself because of that. But, you know, it takes a strong person to work in that environment. First of all, just social work in general, (laughs) um, being a, you know, a financial planner, financial coach, we hear a lot of stories. We hear a lot of things within a family that takes place and, um, and, and, you know, there have been times where I've had to say to people, you got to get some help for this. Like I, I, I am outside my league and what you are dealing with. I, I can run the numbers until I'm blue in the face, but what you're dealing with is something I'm not licensed or feel skilled to help you with. And it, it makes me um, appreciate the fact that, you know, they are so willing to share things with me, but uncomfortable that I don't know how to deal with them. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do about this. So if they're willing to extend a hand to somebody who can provide them with that, those tools to help them through whatever the situation is, then, you know, that, that speeds up the process of whatever healing they need to go through. But then you complicate it with mental health issues or the stigmatism of, you know, being on, on social services. Uh, what, what do you recommend to people that are seeking some sort of counseling that are in both boats? Ah, uh, that's such a good question and such a difficult question. <laughs> um, and I think that for me, it like, you know, it, it's coming up in your financial planning sessions because it, everything is connected. And if you have stuff over here, it often shows up you know, in other areas, uh, definitely including finances. Um, and, and I, and I, I mean, it, it totally has for me. Um, and I think like there's, there's the stigma around getting help for your mental health. And then there's the stigma around getting help for your financial well-being, And like, I think, I don't know that I have advice for anybody, but I just, I get so frustrated because I just feel like just, we have to like, let those stigmas go. (laughs) We have to, we have to do what we have to do to get the help we need. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent, but there's still, you know, and you know, I, I, I've had a couple of guests on the show that where we talk about mental health and we talk about the importance of therapy and we talk about, um, you know, a lot of the the stigmatisms that come with that and how to convince people that 
you know, sometimes just having somebody else to talk to and having them know the tools that you can use um, to help you through cer- certain situations is just going to make life so much easier. Um, it, it, I'm not going to say that it's going to be easy because it's not, especially, you know, I can't imagine Brandy and, and it was around your domestic violence comment that intrigued me hugely to have you on the show because there again, there's another stigmatism that, um, that is out there, like, especially around verbal, um, domestic abuse, because you can't see it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you don't, there isn't any visual, um, association with somebody being verbally abused, um, physically. I mean, you can see those bruises, but even with that, you don't understand unless you've been through it. You don't understand the mental comp- component that goes along with domestic yes. abuse. So, you know, having people talk about it, it's like having people talk about money. The more we do it mm-hmm. and the less people feel alone, then the more the more people are going to come forward and say, that happened to me. I shouldn't be embarrassed by it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what to, I don't know what the solution is other than to just keep talking about it and keep bringing it to the surface and saying that, you know, I, I brought up, um, it's brandyglow.com. I brought that up and it looks like it's um, Brandy Glow. a website. Yes. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But it's down uh, right now. It's, well, it's under construction. Right. Yeah. When I brought it up, it said that it, it looks like, um, this is some, but, but some amazing things are coming mm-hmm. soon, right? Stay tuned. But there's a picture of you out there. And when I look at that picture, I look at somebody who looks very happy and you would never in a million years know that you'd been through, I mean, from the picture that you'd been through what you have been through. So, when somebody is going through a situation, um, they can look at that picture and say, well, she looks happy too. But in reality, there was a period of your life where it was very unpleasant. How did you get out of it? Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a good question. I think, um, for me, I was, I was blessed to have, um, so people who supported me when I determined to change my life and to get out of the, so I stayed for a long time because I felt like I, I couldn't, so money was a thing. Um, <laughs> like I, I didn't know if I could make it on my own and we weren't rich. Like, you know, he was a cook at, a, a restaurant and I was a waitress <laughs> and we had like nothing. And, and I was like, but I can't, I, I think I can't stay here anymore. I think I don't enjoy my life. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, I mean, a lot of it was like swallowing my pride at, for a time I moved in back in with my parents and then I got my own place um, and, uh, and continued to like, because I was, 
recovering from an abusive relationship, but hadn't named that it was that I was downward spiral. And so I was continuing to, to self-destruct. I was financially making it (laughs) somehow. Um, But then Mm -hmm. I lost, I lost my job and I had to like scramble to get another job so that I could, you know, keep my apartment and, um, and then really just like, hum- like humble myself. It sounds so like cliche, but just like starting to admit that things weren't working and, mm. and that the habits that I had picked up, I did not want to continue and I needed to let them go in order to create real change. Um, and the moment I did that, there's this quote I love, like, as soon as you commit to something, I'm going to butcher it, but as soon as you commit to something, Providence steps in. Like, as soon as I made those decisions, like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I, I'm committing to changing my life. Um, I like people rallied around me and I found like, I didn't have, I remember, um, I started working at this church as a housekeeper. I didn't have money to buy uh, Christmas presents for my, uh, for my kid and somebody went on and I was just kind of resigned to like, well, it'll be fine. Like they'll get, they'll get gifts from my parents and you know, it'll be fine. And somebody anonymously gifted us like beautiful, like beautiful gifts uh, for her. And you know, mm-hmm. that wasn't, that didn't make or break anything, but it was so beautiful. And I felt so loved and supported and those kinds of little things just give you the strength to keep going. Uh, and then I went back to college, like I, which meant incurring a boatload of student debt, (laughs) but, um, but I did it because I, I knew that I didn't want to be a housekeeper for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. I did want to get to a place where I could give back. Well, on a side note, with you doing social work and you're doing it, I'm assuming for a nonprofit organization, because it sounded like that was the type of organization you were working for. I hope you are investigating some public service loan forgiveness with those student loans. (laughs) So interestingly, it's, it's not a, I'm not working for a nonprofit. Okay. And it's, um, it's, there's actually potential, uh, for me to, it's not, I don't get a salary. I get paid fee for service. Um, and so actually there's potential for me to make, um, a decent living, um, as a social worker, as a therapist, which is not something I went in thinking (laughs) that was necessarily a, a possibility. Um, but it feels like, yeah, it feels like a like really good. <laughs> well, congratulations. That is social work is uh, not known for its income opportunities generally. Sure. So, uh, kudos uh, that you found a good niche and that you're doing, you know, work that is very meaningful to you. When I, one of the questions I often ask people. Um, especially on the dime side of the podcast is about, you know, their upbringing and if money was ever a conversation in their household and even concerns that they have 
today around their kids um, and, you know, dealing, dealing with um, people who usually work in the social services environment. It's, it's about trying, trying to make ends meet. I mean, they do the work for the love of it, not necessarily for the income Mm -hmm. of it. Um, but I, I sort of bypassed the question that I asked when you were growing up was, was money a, a topic that was even brought up into your house? Yes, it definitely was. So my, my mom grew up very, very poor and my parents were like hardcore working class folks. So like my parents combined income never was over probably 32,000 a year. But what my mom, like the way that my mom managed money was so like, they just got back from Hawaii. Like they, they, they are retired now. Um, They just got back from two weeks in Hawaii. Like um, the way that she budgets is so like, good (laughs) um it's just it's like really it's it's amazing um the flip side of that is that i think the the story that there was a lot of shame around money growing up i i think i learned that i wasn't very good at it at a young age um and and internalized that um and felt just like I couldn't, I couldn't manage my money properly. Uh, I, I have done a lot of actually inner work around letting go of that story. Um, and yeah, so yes, they talk about it. Um, in, and, and it had, and there were positives and negatives to that, <laughs> I guess is the short version. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when you hear that as a family that you lived off from $32,000 a year, I mean, that's, that's poverty level almost. Um, it was a while ago, but yes, I mean, it, we didn't, we didn't have very much. Yeah. And you know, that, that when we talk about people's money scripts that go along with that, that, you know, some people look at it and say, oh, okay, here's the habit I'm going to form based on that. Other people form this anxiety around money because that's that's what rubbed off, right? It was the anxiety of money. And then other people are like turning, you know, they turn just a different blind eye to it and say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, even though they are subconsciously, they tend to go the complete opposite direction and, and usually settle somewhere in the middle, but it's interesting. Um, you know, again, another sort of vine in your, (laughs) in your journey that has led you to this center point of therapy, because you can talk to people about that when they bring it up, you have that, you're not going to maybe feel the same way they did, but you're, I know for me, I, I feel like I can give really good advice um, on things that people are going through, like, let's say somebody got fired. Um, I feel like I can give them a shoulder for a, f- a few moments be- with the emotional side. Like, I don't know how they're feeling, but I know how I felt when I got fired once. And, you know, so I can listen and let them get it out and then bring it back to central point to say, here's, what is going on and here's what 
you know, here's what I felt about that. Is this what you're feeling so that I can clarify? And I feel like I really give them a, a better understanding or better advice. And again, I don't profess to know their emotion or anything like that, but I think empathy probably is there a bit more. And although I would never wish I would never wish that any anybody go through some of the things that you've gone through um, for that next person that comes along, that empathy is there. So kudos to you for using that. Um, so do you feel, I mean, so you mentioned that your student loan, you got major student loans. Um, t- tell us, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about that decision when you decided to go back to college and you had to take out those student loans. Did you feel like you went into this with the understanding that that's what you would have to do? Um, uh, yes and no. I think my parents were not very pro. When I was looking into going back to college, they were not super on board because they were concerned about the student loan piece. And my, it was actually my mother-in-law who my, my in-laws are, they're, they're just incredible people. Um, and, uh, they, they grew, they also grew up very, with very humble roots. Um, my father-in-law was born in Guyana. My mother-in-law was born in Jamaica. They moved here. They're both, um, they both have their, their PhDs. Um, and, my mother-in-law really encouraged me to, to go to school and to take out the loans and just to kind of like, so you, this, the script was, you, you know, you, you do it, but then you, on the other side, you make money so you can pay that them off. And with my bachelor's, that was not like, I quickly realized like, Oh, that's actually not very <laughs> completely accurate uh, for me. Um, and I am a, I'm, I think I struggle with under earning, um, and, and, and I just, and that's, that's like, so, and, and my, and worth, there's all, there's all kinds of, there's always things tied up in everything. Um, but I think that's why I'm so excited that I have this new job, um, because it really does feel like we'll be able to manage our student loans. And like, so today for a long time, you know, I was, I had my head in the sand, didn't want to know how much, how much the amount was, how much we owed. I track it every month. I track every penny we spend. I did definitely learn some things from my mom. (laughs) Um, And I track our net worth. Uh, You know, it's in the negative, but I, I don't, I, I refuse to keep my head in the sand. I will be there <laughs> um, regardless of what the, the info is so that I can do something about it. Um, and that feels empowering, even though we, I know we have a long way to go. Um, when I say we, my partner and I um, financially, like it feels like, we can get there and it feels like there's a, there's a path, even if it's a long path. <laughs> well, I, I think the fact that you're not putting your head in the sand is great 
because, you know, even though your net worth is negative, it won't always be. And by acknowledging it and, you know, putting some effort into it, you're, you're going to come out on the other side. That's, you should pat yourself on the back for that. (laughs) Um, a lot of people don't like when I'll, when I ask them, I, I can probably count on one hand the number of people I've ever worked with that the first time I've met with them have said to me, here's my net worth statement. <laughs> so, kudos to you <laughs> for knowing that. <laughs> would you, um, would you say that you, re- is there um, anybody that has given you really good advice that you'd like to pass on to? The listeners? Uh, Well, I don't know specifically anybody, but you had said earlier, you know, this this idea that we don't don't know where to start and we feel so alone. For me, with mental health and with financial health, um, there are so many resources out there now, podcasts like this one and YouTube, you know, videos, people sharing their stories of getting out of debt. Of, um, of overcoming, you know, mental health issues. And for me, like, that's why I share my story. And that's, and that's what I turn to when I need comfort and solace. And like, when I need to know I'm not alone, I'm watching a YouTube video of somebody who paid off, you know, X amount of debt, <laughs> you know, because that's like, so like, okay, if they can do it, and I can do it. And there's a path and everybody's path looks different and they might uh, choose a way that, that I am not necessarily going to take, but they, but I might find some tips that, that do help. So um, yeah, for me, it's like, just, just like looking and you don't even have to like do any work on yourself to do that. You can just like investigate like what other people are, are dealing with. I, you know, I had never thought about it, but there, I mean, we, we have YouTube videos out there. We put them on our website. We share them with people, but honestly, I had never thought about, and I've used them for meditation because I'm horrible without guided, like I can't do meditation without guided meditation. But other than that, I never thought about saying to, to somebody, you know, just I mean, I tell people to Google it all the time, but you know, YouTube, it's a great recommendation. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's a wonderful idea. Um, and for people that are struggling a little bit with a particular topic, there is a YouTube video for everything. I, I, um, I have a, uh, my, um, myself and two other woman, women started a financial conference that we run every year. And Nancy Williamson is one of those women and she's the um, president of Serve You Credit Union in our area. And she has fixed things mechanically um, and she's so proud of it and she should be um, just by, you know, bringing something up on YouTube and watching it and, and, you know, being able to say, okay, you know, pause, go back, look at it again. And she, she has shared that in many of our conferences as ways you know, money hacks, you don't have to pay somebody to do this. You can go on YouTube and look it up. So I should have put that connection together, but that's wonderful advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's the tip of the week. (laughs) Yeah, Literally Um, just yesterday I was looking on YouTube for how to put oil in my car. (laughs) 
there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And yet another money hack savings. Um, I love to ask the question, uh, the opposite question of that. Is there any particular advice that you've received that I won't say is the worst advice, but maybe wasn't the right advice for you? Uh, In regards to money? Yeah. Yes. Or career or life or anything. Um, Tons. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, you know, I think everybody... So one of the things that comes to mind is like um, the, and I don't know how you feel about this. And I, and I don't know if you talk about this on your, on your podcast, but Dave Ramsey's um, baby steps um, have, have never resonated with me um, because there's several reasons they haven't. Um, But I love but at the same time, I love listening to people who are following him and who um, who take pieces of that and, and use it. Um, so I wouldn't say that's the worst advice, um, but it's for me, it's not it's not a, it, it just it doesn't work for me. Although some some pieces are have been helpful. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I um I do agree that there are some pieces of the Dave Ramsey program that are extremely helpful. Helpful. I'm a strong believer of the snowball effect of paying mm-hmm. down your loans, but I, um, I have a hard time um, telling people not to save for retirement, especially if their mm-hmm. company is matching some of their money. You know, so mm-hmm. so that's really challenging. And and I've run the numbers many different times to say, well, okay, so here's the math behind it. If we pay down your debt, here's what it looks like. If we if we put money in a retirement plan up to your match, and then we use the rest to pay down your debt, this is what it looks like. Um, and and I've never had a scenario, and I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but I've never had a scenario where it made um, projected, you know, that it would be better to not put money in a retirement plan and get that free money from your employer. So that's one that I could never get my head around, you know, be, behind the, the Dave Ramsey program. But the other steps about building an emergency fund, absolutely really important. And, you know, taking into consideration what your debt is and and trying to do the snowball or avalanche. But I tend to, you know, the snowball tends to be more successful because people can see it paid down quicker and they'll stick with it longer. Um, I, too, I do believe in that. But um, I think like anything in life, there's no one answer for anybody. And you have to look at the situation that you're in and the options that are available to you in order to see if that's the right answer for you. I, I, you know, sometimes I'm hesitant to tell people like if we're at parties and they'll say, Oh, what do you do? And I'm a little hesitant sometimes to tell people what I do because we do a lot of financial coaching, you know, we'll go into companies and we'll provide financial coaching. And then, you know, I am a CFP, so I do individual financial planning as well. And they relate that automatically to investments. Mm. And so they, you know, so they'll say, 
well, what's the hot tip on the next stock? I'm like, I have no idea. And even if I did know of a company that was going public, I don't, or, you know, going to do very well. I'm certainly not going to recommend it to somebody based on a two minute conversation, knowing nothing about their life. (laughs) So I agree that I didn't mean to harp on this, but I do agree that there are some steps within his program that I think are very helpful to people, but no one size fits all. So that, um, I appreciate you sharing that. So, uh, I can't believe we've been talking for like 46 minutes. So I do apologize for keeping you longer, but I was curious too, um, when I've seen like your Facebook page and your, um, website and peruse down through your podcast titles, um, at which by the way, if you're interested, um, Brandy has a podcast called Throwing Light. Um, I would encourage you all to subscribe to that podcast as well. Um, the, the titles of your podcast are very interesting to me in and of themselves. Um, you know, I, I guess um, when you started this podcast, what what was your reason behind that? Was it to share your story? Was it to... In part to share my story. Um uh, in part to um, share like pr- practical ways of of living a meaningful life, um, and I think that the spiritual, the mental health space can be really uh, philosophical. So we can talk a lot about what it should be like. Um, but I actually think that there are some really practical things that you can do to improve your life. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that res- like as a financial planner, like, you know, we can talk about like the, the philosophies of how to pay off debt and, and how to save. But like, if you're not actually doing the work, like, it's just, it's, it doesn't do anything. Um, uh, so yeah, so for me, um, I, I share that through personal narrative and, and now that I have, um, my LMSW, like I, it's, I, I call it like the intersection. I'm interested in exploring the intersection between spirituality and mental health. And, um, my end goal, um, is to have a private practice where I can integrate some of the, um, more holistic uh, therapeutic techniques with the more evidence-based ones that I learned in grad school. Um, because I found in my life that they're both really, really, um, effective. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's kind of, you know, that's what I, the first, I started it in 2017 and the first episode was like, I think it was called like poets, prostitutes and, preachers or something like that. (laughs) And it's, um, it tells my story. It tells kind of where I've come from and, and what I hope to do as far as, um, how I hope to use my story, um, to, to help other people, um, feel like they're not alone and, um, you know, share the wisdom that I've picked up along the way. Yeah, it, it, that is the name of your first podcast. I looked it up. Um, and one of the things that I was looking through that I noticed was that there was, I think, five or maybe even six 
that were titled How Not to Quit on Your Dreams. So there's like part one through, was it part five or six or something? Um, you know, that, that, um, I think a lot of people give up sometimes. Um, you know, they think, oh, I can never do that. And I think with a little bit of coaching and a little bit of, um, support that we can all have our dreams. So, uh, those would be some other episodes that I would dig into a little deeper personally and, and listen to, and, and perhaps others would, would want to as well. Um, so I want to be respectful of your time and our listeners time. And I would love to know, um, you know, I, I think I've heard it in, in your comments, but, um, what, I think it's spirit spirituality, but what what feeds your soul? What what is it that when Brandy's having a bad day? Because um, one of your podcast name was from um, what was it negative talk, and then there was another one that was like from grief to gratitude or something or guilt to gratitude. Yeah, um, what feeds your soul? What gets you your mojo going again? So I just did a. a- story on my Instagram, I was just talking about when you have to take your kid, uh, to the therapist or psychiatrist, um, and how, how hard that can be. And often, um, and I don't know if any of your listeners are parents, but as parents, we often put our kids oxygen masks on first, right? Because we want to make sure our kids can breathe. Um, but so I was talking about self-care on those days specifically on those days when it's, when you know, you wake up and you know, it's going to be difficult (laughs) and it might not be that for you, but like, um, for me, um, baked goods, I (laughs) like, um, you know, um, whether that's baking myself or, or just, you know, having a a cookie, like, I know that's not like the healthiest (laughs) self-care go-to, but it really feeds my soul. Um, also meditation, um, exercise, um, just like doing like reading, um, just having time bubble baths. Um, there's a lot of like, you know, self-care stuff that for me, um, you know, self-care can become cliche and people give it a bad, um, a bad rap or they feel like it's, um, they don't have time, but it's so important and, and it enables you to do the work, whatever it is you're doing in the world, um, uh, with energy and with, uh, enjoyment. You're a very calming spirit. You know that? (laughs) I am so thankful that you took time out of your busy day and your busy life. Congratulations on achieving your dreams um, thus far in life. And um, tell us how people can reach out to you um, and learn more about what you're doing and follow you and watch you thrive uh well the main i get let me throwing light definitely um my podcast and um and then also uh instagram i'm brandy glows on instagram and i spend a lot of time there uh so that's a good a good way to find me well brandy we appreciate your time today and um certainly 
look forward to, to following you and seeing where you take your next journey. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, this has been a pleasure. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.